we like to pat ourselves on the back with the number of babies we've treated in Kidrop and so on. But it's, it's a drop in the ocean of what remains to be done because we don't have enough trained manpower. This is where the technology will help, not just in preventing blindness, but I think making best use of the limited resources we have and in quality of care that we'll provide to these babies. The New Zealand Tech Podcast. Brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT. Greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Spain. Today we're hearing about a collaboration which is a perfect example of how leveraging artificial intelligence can bring great outcomes in the health sector. This discussion comes from my recent India visit focused on SAP's TechEd event. Whilst there, I visited the clinic of Dr. Anand Vinaka, founder and program director of Kidrop, one of the largest telemedicine initiatives in the world. And I also spoke with Narayan VK, co-founder of ClearVision, a social venture which utilizes SAP's AI technology. Together in partnership, they're focused on early detection of retinopathy of prematurity or ROP as it's often known and this is something that happens in premature babies and it puts hundreds of thousands of babies at risk of lifelong blindness if not quickly detected and treated. So really looking forward to that discussion but before we jump in a huge thank you to our incredible show partners for their continued support that makes New Zealand Tech Podcast possible. Those incredible companies are 1NZ, 2Degrees, Spark, HP, and Gorilla Technology. Let's jump in. Well, great to have you joining us, Dr. Anand. Uh, look, I'm keen to understand how big is this problem of ROP? Maybe you can you can describe you know, what the issue is that you've been involved in and the role of uh, KidRop to address uh, this. Sure, thank you. So uh, I'll speak about the Indian problem first, then maybe we'll go to the global context. So India has about three and a half million premature babies born every year. That's uh, the highest of any country. I think the second highest is China with about just over a million. And the United States is also there in the top five. So premature birth is a global problem. And um, how things have changed in India is about in the last two decades, uh, premature births are now having better survival. About 15, 20 years ago, preterm babies survived only if they were born in the bigger cities. And uh, well, now that's not so because our neonatal care has improved so much that we have you know, even smaller towns, what we call districts and sub-district level, what we call taluks. All of them are now producing 700, 800 gram babies who are surviving with intact survival. And among the myriad problems that preterm babies have, one of them that is not well addressed and the awareness is still low is retinopathy of prematurity or ROP. So this disease affects these preterm babies uh, between the second and the sixth week after birth. So most, almost no babies born with the disease, but goes on to develop this problem a few weeks later and how soon and how severe depends on several factors. But the most important one being how tiny was that baby in terms of birth weight? How many weeks before the expected due date was the baby born? And then of course, most importantly, what's happened postnatally? Has the child been sick? 
Did it require a lot of oxygen? Did it have other issues? Now, all of these are managed quite well, I must say, in many parts of India and many other middle-income countries now as they were 15 years ago. Uh, but uh, because the expertise to look inside the eye of these really tiny babies in a very short window of just four to six weeks uh, is so uh, appallingly lacking, uh, that's where the problem of ROP has become a big one. It's become a public health problem. So roughly out of the three and a half million babies born preterm, the incidence of this disease if you depends on which publication you read coming out of India, is anywhere between 18% to 55%. So that's an average of one of every three preterm babies might have this disease, which is a huge number. Fortunately, uh, not all the babies who have the disease go on to becoming blind or for that matter, go on to requiring treatment. So there is a gradient of disease from what we call stage one to the very bad advanced stage five. And you really want to get in and do the treatment at what we call type one ROP or ROP that requires treatment. And that is defined as somewhere like a stage three roundabout there. And then there are other subtypes which we won't get into. But the point here is all of this evolves in just a few days or a few weeks of time. And the first examination must happen before the child turns 30 days of life. And thereafter, maybe weekly or fortnightly, or maybe once in a few more weeks, one has made the fair decision that this child is now completely normal and has gone to that 70% maybe, who spontaneously became normal, or is now in that 20, 30% who has the disease and therefore needs closer follow-up. And then in those babies who need the follow-up, they're gonna pop out about five to 15% of those with the disease that needs the treatment. Now, the beauty of the treatment is that if it's performed really quickly, and by that I mean within 48 hours of reaching type one ROP, the success rate is in the high 90s, 95, 97%. So you're pretty much preventing uh, blindness and visual impairment if you just go in, do the screening on time and do the treatment on time. So this is where the problem statement lies. Now, where is uh, you know, the, where's the lack of solution? Well, that's a demand supply issue. So again, let's coming back to the Indian scenario. We have about 20,000 ophthalmologists in the country registered in the National Society, out of which about less than 2,000 of them practice retina, which is the back portion of the eye, and less than 200 uh, are probably involved in doing ROP work. And in a, in a publication that we published with the survey from the Indian ROP Society, less than 100 just three years ago were comfortable doing the treatment. So you have on one hand, less than 100 people who have the expertise to treat. And on the other hand, forget the three and a half million, at least 200 to 250,000 babies every year are gonna require treatment, not the ones who are detected with some disease. This having been said, clearly the problem is you can't overnight produce enough number of specialists to make up this gap. So what Kidrop did uh, 17, 16, 17 years ago is that we thought, why can't we use technology? And basically we used telemedicine, we used non-physician imaging-based systems. So we taught technicians, male nurses, female nurses, optometrists, ophthalmic assistants, 
uh, you know, uh, healthcare workers, anyone, any cadre who wanted to be, was willing to be trained and travel. Uh, we started training them and uh, the, the network has grown. So what does Kidrop do? Kidrop takes a, a vehicle that's really simple, minor modifications to fit in the camera safely, takes two trained technicians, takes a driver. We go into one NICU after another NICU after another NICU every day of the week, six days, six days a week. And in this way, one unit, one camera, one, one unit with the vehicle and the trained man resource covers a distance of roughly 150 to 350 kilometers radius from the epicenter. And like this, we have about six zones in this state itself, which is Karnataka, where Bangalore has been the capital of. And like this, we have now trained several other states and perhaps I might say inspired and trained a few other countries as well. So it started off at a three hospital initiative as a pilot. Today, Kidrop covers 152 neonatal intensive care units. Uh, we screen roughly between 2,500 to 3,500 babies every month. Uh, our annual statistics uh, and our monthly statistics go up on our social media pages. Uh, we have thus far uh, successfully treated about 4,200 plus babies, preventing blindness in them. That's more than about 220,000 uh, imaging sessions of about 85 to 90,000 babies. So that's roughly where the numbers are. Now, when it started, we had to use the American camera, which is the RETCAM, still the gold standard, amazing, powerhouse, uh, fairly portable. It's like the size of a mini refrigerator that you see in, in your hotel room, perhaps. But then uh, the problem of that was the scalability. It was more than 100,000 US dollars expensive. And therefore, scaling it up to even our own state, let alone other parts of the country, was going to be hard, uh, especially since we worked with a public-private partnership. So then we got into some innovations of uh, involving local industry and we came up with a, a local camera which is now of course fda approved has several installations across many countries far more portable uh, and it has much better technology in the sense it uses led lighting it uses a liquid lens as against the american one which uh, uses the halogen illumination and and a fixed lens with a lens being dismantled and so on and and that's only because that one was made in the late 80s early 1990s and this one came now uh, and then thereafter there have been many more uh, such devices that are being you know, propped up in the market and we are we are device agnostic. We have no financial gain on any of the work that we do. We just partner them as a clinical partners, validate them, publish them and move on. Now, because technology is so much at the forefront of Kidrop, the next question was, okay, now we have more affordable cameras uh, and we're gonna train so many more people to take these images, but we're not gonna have enough number of people to read the images because the number of specialists has not exponentially increased. And that's why artificial intelligence or deep learning or machine learning or image analysis will come in. And, and that's, I think, the, the background in uh, today's conversation, because where is and where and why is AI important in this context? And I, and I thought that giving a little bit of historical perspective helps uh, because there's a problem, there's a technological solution, but that was a hardware solution. You have now to make software solutions to make it really expandable and scalable uh, so that 
you can really train a you know, regular healthcare worker to take an image and your AI algorithm will instantly tell you whether this image uh, has disease or not. And based on that, your follow-up protocol would change. We are not saying at this point of time that the healthcare worker will sign off a form saying this baby needs treatment. All we are saying is it would be much better a triaging system where those babies who require a slightly higher level of degree of you know, criticality will be taken up the hierarchy and the specialist will have a look at those images over any other images because otherwise hundreds and thousands of images will start showing up on a daily basis. So I think AI is really required. And this is where we have to sort of, you know, address the problem before it becomes a very large one. Because right now, yeah. there are not too many centers with a camera, but with more affordable cameras, everyone's going to join the bandwagon. And then you're not going to have enough number of people reading the images. And that's, I think, why uh, the clear vision or SAP solution is important today, because it's setting the path for what could be a game changer going forward. And if if you were to sort of step back and sort of look at look at the bigger picture here, you know maybe over the next decade, and if this this technology is is able to get to you know the best level of what you're dreaming of and what you're imagining, what would you think would be you know the number of babies who therefore don't end up blind compared to what might happen otherwise? What would be your you know, thoughts on, on what that potential is when this technology really reaches its pinnacle from a, an ability to really you know, automate this process and ensure that the surgeons are able to really focus on, on delivering the, the treatment rather than that their role is trying to work out who does and uh, doesn't have the disease? Yeah, great question. Uh, of course, this is trying to look through the, uh, the future glass, but I think pretty much the answer is right there because right now we're just scratching at the surface. Although Kidrop does 100% of the entire screening image base, we are the only program in the country, and I think in the world, where even a discharge of the baby from the ROP screening happens remotely through an imaging-based system. Even in the Sundrop trial in, in Stanford, uh, the ophthalmologist, the MD, has to sign off before the baby goes off the radar, but not so here. Uh, and that's because, you know, the, number of, the numbers are so heavy and we can't simply have every baby being imaged. My point here is that just maybe less than 1% of what we should be doing with technology is being done currently, even in India which is fairly adopting the telemedicine model quite well, I must say. And therefore, the potential of a solution, like you just mentioned, to, to be a game changer is unimaginable. Because once we have that solution in place and you have mobile-based, mobile phone-based cameras uh, that are able to eventually take these pictures of these babies, and I know technology is moving there, there are some companies working on it already, uh, that's when the solution like this, which is already driven into the app, perhaps, uh, will automatically triage. And therefore, the limited number of specialists will then be engaged uh, only in delivering treatment. So I think if it's 99 times more than what we are going to be doing right now. So the potential is huge. We like to pat ourselves on the back with the number of babies we've treated in Kidrop and so on. But it's, it's, a, it's a drop in the ocean of what, remains to be done. 
even in Karnataka, we are only going to what we call the district headquarters. Why are we not going to sub-district level? Because we don't have enough trained manpower, neither the, from the government sector nor from the private sector. But imagine if you had cameras that were the size of our phones taking pictures of these babies' eyes in every single center where, this, where these preterm babies were being born and then attached to an AI solution and then going into a reading center and then a regional center and then a tertiary care center. And you can build up uh, this pathway of hierarchy such that only those babies who need uh, the MD to have a look and ascertain for sure that this baby needs treatment can then be transported to the tertiary care center. You don't have to have 30 babies moving there to be told one of them needs treatment. You just have that one baby shifted there. And I think this is where the technology will help not just in preventing blindness, but I think making best use of the limited resources we have and in just in terms of quality of care that we'll provide to these babies. I mean, right there in Australia, and, and that's why the 2015, we had a report written by the Australian government, the Center for Excellence in Premature Care, and I think it's in Perth. Well, they came and visited us and, and observed our model for close to five or six months. Because in Australia, even though the number of babies may be much lesser than in India, the problem was similar. A preterm baby born in the middle of the continent had to be picked up, airlifted to go to one of the coastlines for an ROP specialist to be seen, only to bring back. And, and you were doing this practically weekly or two weekly. It didn't make sense all for the MD to say, this retina is fine. I just need to see it after two weeks. And they were doing it at the federal cost. So really, is it worth it? Why wouldn't you bring that baby only when it requires treatment? So I think everyone needs this solution. It's not only for places like us or Southeast Asia or Latin America uh, or Sub-Saharan Africa, which has a lot of these babies. But it's, I think it's going to be useful even in the higher economies because of this. Uh, because you have large landscapes where you don't have a specialist and you've got to keep moving these babies. And that's where most of the problems happen when they transfer out from one NICU to another. Babies, you know, slip through the gap. They sometimes don't get screened. And even in the United States, you will have the baby who turns blind because it was not screened on time. Uh, not often, but it happens. And then it's a big lawsuit. And all of this can come, you know, together with the technology. Yeah, that's that's really exciting, and and I think you know as we solve these types of problems, then it makes funds available to improve you know healthcare in other areas, doesn't it? If we if we're wasting money flying babies around and doing these things that uh, that actually the technology can solve, yeah. it it leaves us in a in a position where there isn't enough maybe to go around to address other issues. So by bringing this sort of efficiency, we, you know, we help drive up the results and uh, and give better uh, medical care overall, I'm presuming. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Oh, very exciting. Well, it's been great to uh, great to have you on the show. At this stage, the uh, the technology, how is it working out for you and how you know how are you enjoying the benefits? Because this is a sort of development that can take, you know, quite a number of years to get from earlier iterations to uh, you know to really where the where the technology uh, is doing all of the heavy lifting for you. So I believe we are talking now about the Clear Vision uh, software technology. Yeah. So I think uh, we began where the low-hanging fruit was, and that is to look at the severity scheme. So right now, there's a very good solution. It's working well, and we want to integrate it into the real-world system. 
Uh, right now, it's an offline model where we send in test images and we get out a result, and they're very good. And now we want to start putting it into the camera system so that as these images are being taken, you get out that report because that makes better sense. So where we are now is that we are getting a fairly accurate report with severity. So we know that, okay, this baby has severe disease and therefore needs treatment. And I think that's low hanging fruit because in a way that's the most impactful assessment you want because that's where the money is. You want to treat the baby who needs the treatment. Uh, and I think as you rightly said, the many iterations that are required now, and now we need to go back a little bit and say, can we also detect uh, any disease? You know, disease that may not need treatment, but uh, needs follow-up. Because again, if you've, if you've missed that, uh, the, the type of follow-up that we have based on the algorithm, the clinical algorithms, is different from a baby who is completely normal. So right now we have severe disease requiring treatment versus not severe disease. So now we want yes disease, no disease. So what we would call a binary uh, report. So we would want a binary right now, and I think we're working well with that. And I think the SAP team has that, and we have shared uh, tons of images with them for the new learning model. And I think uh, going forward in a very short course of time, we'll be having some good results on that scheme as well. That's great. Well, thank you very much for your time, uh, Dr. Anand Vinaka. Uh, really great to hear uh, hear from you. And I think you know this is a very important part of the you know the bigger picture of improving uh, healthcare across both babies and and right across the population. And that opportunity to leverage the best of technology so that we get uh, better results for for everyone. So really exciting. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good day. Hi, Paul. Glad to be here. So I'm Narayan. I'm a co-founder of Social Venture Clear Vision that's funded and uh, supported by the SAP leadership. And uh, glad to be here. I founded the venture with my colleague, Shira Gupta. So, yep. yeah, thank you for having me here. Okay. Well, um, great to have you on the podcast, Narayan. Um, maybe you can walk us through a, a little bit of how you got involved in, right. in AI technology and then you know how you've applied that to yeah. help with this challenge of reducing uh, the blindness uh, amongst uh, small children. Right. I think it goes back to SAP's purpose of making the world run better and uh, making the world a better place to live. It's all started from my team members we all met as part of the idea factory and we came up with this idea of utilizing uh, machine learning in the space of parental blindness. And uh, it was the entire program where SAP supported us with, with and building out a holistic solution rather than just something where instead of a technology in search of a problem, we actually understood the problem really deeply and then went about building out the solution required for it. So we went to hospitals across India and also spoke to hospitals outside India. And we understood in depth how they addressed the problem of parental blindness in these developing countries. Uh, we specifically chose this problem space because more than 90% of the people suffering from parental blindness, which is more than a billion people across the world, are living in low-income settings. And more than 85% of them can have normal lives if they are treated in time. So that's where we came up with this, with this mission that we want to minimize the time to diagnosis and maximize the potential for treatment so that we, once we diagnose them, we connect them to the right hospital for, to get the treatment that they require and go further. And uh, machine learning and AI is the right revolution that came at the right time to aid us in this space and uh, enable that. Yeah, I mean, it seems to me that 
preventable blindness is, is definitely something that we should be should be right. tackling right. and uh, using technology to assist with that it, it just makes so much sense how hard, how hard has it been for you know for you to uh, to get this started and to progress to where you're at and you you know you're still on a journey with no doubt a good few years ahead of you but uh, you know how, how challenging has it been to fit right. that in alongside your your day job at SAP it's been an amazing journey to be honest and uh, Although it does take a lot of additional passion to continue on this track, following this passion that we have, all of us have been working on this project. It is something that's been really rewarding because we spoke to all these hostels across India. And as you know, India is not a country where everything is digitized. And especially for uh, something like machine learning to come in and build something with uh, AI, you need a lot of data to start with. So that's where a lot of initial journey was around finding the right hospital that had medical know-how as well as the data available, which is you know, having the right kind of uh, annotation that will allow us to train the machine learning models. And that's how we came about our collaboration with Naranetralia. For us, the moment we spoke to Naranetralia, we knew it was the right hospital because they are working in the space of ROP, which is retinopathy of prematurity. And uh, it made sense to solve this in India first because India has the largest number of preterm births, as Dr. Anandvanika had shared. And the leading cause of blindness among them is ROP. And it has a very short window of intervention from the time the diagnosis happens. So we knew if we build a technology solution to provide uh, intervention here, we could have the maximal impact to start with, and then we progress to solving other diseases as well. Mm. So what do you think is a sort of potential scale of how many you know, blindness situations can, can be avoided right. um, through using AI? As far as I see, if you know, a moonshot situation, a solution where this uh, such a machine learning solution is applicable across all parental blindness cases, 85% of 1 billion, and that is 850 million people. That's the actual scope of the solution of not of not just clear vision, but a solution that is applicable across all this uh, all the different kinds of blindness that is there. That is uh, glaucoma, cataract, retinopathy. So there are different kinds of, of diseases that uh, cause blindness in people completely preventable and uh, if they just caught in time and if the doctors are aware that these patients need to get the seek the treatment that they require we are able to change a lot of people's lives and make them have normal lives lead normal lives uh, because we do hear stories such that people who especially in rural regions we heard this from the hospital that we visited in chennai that people do not come to the city or do not even go to the nearest town for a checkup if they are not able to see if they're having some blindness in their vision due to cataract they just go up with their work because they have to do the farming for the day to get their day's labor uh, wages. So they cannot they cannot afford to lo- lose even a day's wage to go to the city for a checkup or to the nearest town for a checkup. So that is where we need to take use technology to democratize this and take the solution to the person to the people on the on the field uh, instead of expecting that they would come to the hospitals. That's brilliant. That's yeah. brilliant. Now you mentioned a billion. So yeah. the bil- there's a billion people that are impacted in some way during their lifetimes from blindness or, or, or low vision. That's correct, yes. Yeah. So IAPB has uh, done a survey of the uh, from the census that they have. So in- International Agency for Prevention of Blindness, if I'm not wrong. So they are with the UN and uh, with the WHO, and uh, they primarily work towards parental, reducing parental blindness. And these are their statistics that they have found that 1.1 billion people. So this includes people who are suffering from myopia or other diseases, but that is the overall number that we are looking at. That is the big picture that we have, uh, that we would need to solve for. 
And uh, when, but when we started, we wanted to ensure that we start with the disease that gives the maximum impact because a child that goes blind irreversibly, especially in ROP, is going to have a life of darkness. And we, we want to solve that first. And that's where we decided to start with ROP. But you're right, uh, it, it can have outsized impact, the technology in this space. Mm. And from, from what you've seen, sort of, you know, working, working with the, the medical profession, yeah. so it's not just blindness that can actually be prevented, but even other sort of short-sightedness and, and so on by getting, you know, the information at the right time and then the right treatment. That's correct, yes. We want to ensure that the disease or whatever degradation of the eye is got as soon as possible so that they get the treatment and further degradation of the eyesight is prevented. So it's easier to prevent than to reverse. It's mm. what they say in mm. medicines, which are medicine science, which are doctors we've spoken to. So that is the goal uh, with uh, the solutions that we build. That's fantastic. And so if you, if you were to you know, look out, whether it's 5, 10, 20 years into, into the future, what would you imagine the, the picture looks like as, as technological uh, innovations are, are applied to solving these, these problems? I think 10, 20 years down the line, what I see is that just like we have the advent of self-driving in cars, and there is predictions that you know, 10, 20 years down the line, there'll be no individual drivers will not be allowed to drive uh, because humans are more error-prone. So potentially 10, 20 years down the line, it could be a situation where every single diagnosis that happens, it is also AI-assisted to ensure that humans, uh, due to human error, we do not miss out on any child or any person that requires treatment and they uh, have a adverse health outcome. So that is what I foresee, that in the future, we, all of the diagnosis that happens will be AI-assisted and uh, it will ensure that None of the diseases go undiagnosed. Yeah, that's that's pretty exciting. Anything else that you wanted to add before we finish up? I think it's really exciting to see where the world is going with AI, uh, but we are also extremely um, cognizant of the fact that AI can have adverse impacts. So I think uh, it's always great to be working with the right kind of professionals, especially in our case, we're working on Italia. We've been, uh, they've been extremely mindful about ensuring that the models that we're building and the kind of uh, outcome that is coming from these models are tested completely and they are really valid before they are deployed on the field uh, and uh, they can have any kind of outcome on the patients. So I think it's extremely important that who is working in this space is also very mindful of that because I think Facebook made it really uh, uh, you know, famous to say that uh, move fast, break things, but I don't think uh, that is the right approach in this case. It's all right to take your time and make sure you're building the right solution for the people so that you're having the right impact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's great. Well, all the best with this vision and uh, yeah, I look forward to following your progress. Thank you. Thank okay, you. thank you. Well, thank you for listening. I uh, hope you're you know, inspired by, uh, by what's being achieved uh, there in India and you're able to maybe apply some of this thinking uh, to consider what might be possible in other parts of the health sector, uh, in your career and in your work. And I think, look, it's really important that we all give time to think about what is the role that AI can play in taking us forward. And that's certainly going to be you know, a big part of my focus for 2024 and really encourage you to participate in that too. So thank you again for listening. And of course, thank you to our show partners, Gorilla Technology, HP, Spark, 
2 degrees and 1 NZ. And be sure to look out for other podcasts that we're involved in, uh, such as New Zealand Business Podcast. There's some great content there, uh, NZ Everyday Investor, and this climate business. So lots there to get into on the podcast uh, front. And I hope you have a great day. And of course, we will be back again with another episode next week. Hi, Dada. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT.